Hi, I'm Erica Darvis. Hi, I'm Amy Randolph. And you're listening to Podcast Rewind. We are two best friends talking hot topics and all of the podcasts that we're totally obsessed with. So come please be our friend on social media. You can find us at Podcast RWD on Instagram and Twitter. And then head over to Facebook and search Podcast Rewind. You can listen to our show wherever you're already listening to your favorite podcasts. Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever that is, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe because we need your stars to keep this show going. Cheers. Cheers. Let's talk podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 51 of Podcast Rewind. Your ears are not deceiving you. This is episode 51. I can't believe we made it this far. Hey, guys. I am one of your hosts, Erica Jarvis, and with me, as always, in the podcast nook is my best friend, Amy Randolph. Hello. Episode 51. You're right. I mean, we are closer to 100 than we are to zero. I love that fact. Right? Yes. I'm only by two, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) A fact is a fact, A fact is a fact. Um, hi, how was your day? Um, it was pretty good. I had lunch with a previous leader mm-hmm. from back in the day, which was going great. Had a really yummy salad. And then the <laughs> CDC announced we shouldn't be eating lettuce. So I said to my family, pray for me. Yeah, I had a salad today too. And then, the, I mean, they really should have made the announcement at like 1030 when we could, of course, correct it. I think that would have been great. Um, because now I'm like waiting for my belly to turn over. <laughs> Shit my brains out. The minute I read that, I was like, do I have a fever? <laughs> I feel warm. Uh, Am I warm? No, I think I'm okay. But yeah, that was crazy. You know what? You know who's going to get salmonella? Best friend Beth. Oh, yeah. She's That's, already sick. She, yeah, she's already sick. She's going to have had a salad today. And out of us, she is the one uh-huh. that will get sick. Absolutely. I'll get the long lines yes. in a grocery store. Yeah. She will get that. You will get somebody talking to you like a stranger that you don't want. Exactly. Yeah. So Know your role. Um, God be with you. Bless <laughs> Beth. Beth. <laughs> and anybody else that had a romaine salad today or in the last couple of days. I mean, the whole country has to dump their romaine. Well, yeah. So I hope people weren't serving salad for Thanksgiving. But also, did you see that there's like 90,000 pounds of turkey being recalled for salmonella? I had no idea. So, um, yeah, just fuck this holiday, I guess. Just like wash your bird or cook it hot. Yeah, maybe you just cook it out. I mean, I don't know. know. (laughs) This is why my mom is cooking. You know what I do know? What? How to drink. I know how to drink, too. So cheers. Cheers. Yes, that was, that was satisfying. Like, you really do like it when we get a good clink. Yeah. And you, you get so, like, twerked for a second well, if it doesn't make the right sound. Let's do it again just for posterity. Oh, and we were silent before and after. We could pull that later <laughs> as a sound bite. If we need one for anything. Um, sorry, that was an inside joke. That was shitty of us. <laughs> Insular, um, what are you drinking? I am having – okay, so I went to the store tonight because, look, it is a holiday week. It's – Prior to Thanksgiving, we put up Christmas around the apartment last ho, night. Ho, ho. So I was feeling a winter drink. So I went to the Publix next to our apartment and found a collection of um, Sam Adams winter beers. Yum. Yes. So I'm currently having, I've never heard of this before, Old Fizzy Wig Ale. How is it? It's delicious. It's a brown ale with... Uh, let's see, brewed with cinnamon, ginger, and orange peel. So it's like a spicy brown. You know I'm it's a sucker for a brown ale. Delightful. I feel like it's winter, even though it's still 70 degrees outside. But mm-hmm. look, not complaining. 
I'm just going to go retweet on what I drank last week. Mm-hmm. That Casalero Diablo wine that I don't know how to pronounce. Just a red. It's hey. not cold out, but we'll pretend. That's fine. The tree is up. It's winter somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had a conference call with some people in Chicago today, and they were like, hey, how's your weather? And I was like, well, my weather app just told me we're going to get storms today. So, you know... And they went, it snowed this morning. I was like, sorry, my bad. Well, they don't my ask bad. me how my weather is. I said, that's why, that's why I didn't ask them. Yes. I knew the answer was going to be shit. Yeah. Sorry, Chicago. <sighs> well, let's see. What do we do next on this show? Well, we like oh, yeah. to tell everybody about what we're obsessed with this week. Yeah. Relatability factor. And maybe they are as obsessed with it as we are. So if I can jump right in, mm-hmm. I am obsessed with two things. Okay. The reimagining of the Greatest Showman soundtrack came out last wow. week, and mm-hmm. if you haven't listened to it yet, "From Now On" by Zach Brown Band is all you ever need to listen to. It's it is so good, so good, it's, it's so good, fantastic. But then on top of that, on Friday, I also got another new album, "Delta" by Mumford and Sons. Uh-huh. At first pass, was not sure if it was for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they've just really played with all of their different sounds in the last couple of years but upon a couple more listens I'm finding that it's good it's somewhere between album one and two okay I've got it's to not the new age stuff they tried last round I really didn't like their last album and I was bummed about it because obviously you and I are both big Mumford fans mage mage suits mage you've been to a lot more live shows yeah. than I have but it's one of my favorite bands, yes. and their last album I was so bummed out by. And then we heard one sample track off this album before it got released, mm-hmm. and I was worried. But <laughs> you say it's good. I trust your opinion on music. So yeah, I mean, listen. if I say is great, Guiding Light is great, Beloved, Woman, Picture You, The Rose of Sharon, they're all really good, but they're trying like a whole new thing with like a strings background and banjo, like... It's just a little bit, it's folksy still, but they're trying a thing. Okay. All right. Yeah. So it's all I've been listening to, and then I had to tell myself, listen to a fucking podcast. You have to, you have to do your show prep. I have a job. Um, okay. Well, speaking of listening to things, my obsession this week is also a heartbreak because today yeah. was the last live show of The Phillips File. Oh, that's on right. Real Radio. So for those of you Central Floridian Rewinders, you probably know about Jim Phillips and the Phillips File. It's uh, Real Radio 1041 is the talk station in town. And this guy, Jim Phillips, has been on that mic for over 30 years and actually announced his retirement last year. And they were, like, gearing up for him to be done at the end of 2017. And then last minute, we got, like, a Hail Mary save, and he decided to extend his contract one more year. Yeah. And Orlando rejoiced. Well, that year has come to a close, actually only 11 months, because, like I said, today was the last live show. Tomorrow they're doing a tribute show, and then a new afternoon talk show starts up on Monday next week. So I listened to some of it today, not all. I was, you know, in meetings and stuff this afternoon, but on my way home, I listened to the last ever closest to the pin. Oh, Oh, God. And he lost. What? He lost. And he lost bad, too. So for those who don't know, closest to the pin is, it's like a trivia game, and whoever gets closest to the answer wins, very similar to horseshoe, hand grenades. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Close is all that counts. Yeah. Closest to the pin. Look, I... um, 
I will be downloading yesterday's and today's yeah. and tomorrow's shows as podcasts. They actually do have podcasts on their website. I used to listen to the podcast of that show all of the time yeah. off um, iHeartRadio. And I doubt I deleted that app from my phone because it's kind of a janky. It's a little janky. It's a janky app. So anyway, I will be going to their website and downloading those and probably crying like on a walk or something this weekend. I have been listening to the Phillips file. I found Girl Radio, I think, when I was an intern down mm-hmm. here 12 years ago. I have listened almost every day on my drive home um, for 12 years. Yeah. I don't know what to do to do with myself without Jim Phillips on the air. Yeah. It's, it's the end of an era the, for Orlando. 100%. I mean, um, I believe his team and a couple other teams all came and jumped on the mic the day of the Pulse shooting. Yes. And they were here for Orlando. And I'm sure yeah. he did the same thing during 9-11. And it's during those times that your radio hosts become your family mm-hmm. and they represent the town and they do what they can to unite and he has been leading the charge for other shows to then do that too and create family and community here. Yeah. I agree. Like when in doubt, you always knew you could go listen to the Phillips file and be entertained. Exactly. And he's an incredibly opinionated man and you know, he doesn't care if his opinions are, you know, controversy or controversial yes. or not. I'm making up <laughs> words today. But You're uh, look, I'm I am I'm heartbroken. All the best to Jim Phillips and The File, but I will miss you. Yes. I will miss hearing them, too. Yeah. But thankfully, we do have podcasts to keep us going. I guess that's what I'll be listening to in the car on the way home from work anymore. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, speaking of podcasts, guys, we guys. are so stoked for our topic today. Yeah. And you may have heard us talk about it a little bit. A year ago, we mentioned this podcast during our 2017 Rewind episode where we did our top 10 of the year. Right. And this one floated in the top three for us because we were just so obsessed with it. This is one of the podcasts that when it came out, we, it's a, it's a six part podcast. Let's just go ahead and say this is Dirty John. Yes, it and is. Dirty John was released in October of last year, literally just weeks before we started this podcast. Yeah. It was something that we discussed ad nauseum and could mm-hmm. not stop talking about with one another. And I would say this is probably the one that pushed us and went, we talk about podcasts so much, we have to have a podcast about podcasts. I totally This might agree. have tipped it for us. I think you're right. I think this is the one that was one of those podcasts that, you know, it dropped weekly. Mm-hmm. And if I listened to episode four before you, it was all bets are off. Like you wouldn't, eat, we can't even look at each other. Exactly. We had to stay, you know, in tandem on it because there was nothing else to talk about. Yeah. And it's re, it's back in the news. It's reimagined, if it's you will. reimagined because Bravo is making a television show about it. Yeah. And we'll get to that. We're definitely going to talk about the TV show, but we just need to... Speak a love letter to Dirty John and and for you guys. Like, unpack it. If any, like, old-time rewinders remember unpacking episodes, this is kind of a little bit of that. And, yeah, we're just going to talk about – we're going to tell you what it is for those of you that haven't listened and go ahead and say right now, spoil alert. Yeah, absolutely. Um, keep listening, though. I mean, <laughs> we aren't going to dive deep into every single detail like Amy said. It's six episodes, and so – we can't be here all night. No, we have things to do. So we do highly recommend. Hear us. Go check out the podcast and then watch the TV show. I mean, it's a full circle situation that you've got going on. But like Amy mentioned, it did drop last October. And in fact, it was hosted by Christopher Gaffard and the LA Times. This is originally a news article. 
that just mm-hmm. kind of gripped headlines and people are like, what? And they're like, I think we have a podcast on our hands. Let's deep dive again and really bring the characters of this story, this real life story, to the forefront and put them on the microphone. Yeah, and geez, oh, Pete, there are some characters in this story. So Dirty John is essentially a podcast about a toxic love gone horribly wrong. And in the end, you find out when you listen to the very first episode, the thing that you realize at the jump is somebody dies. Yep, there has been a murder. There, Someone got murdered. And we all know how much I love murder. Yes, you do. And then you have to wait the rest of the entire series until you find out who died. And it is so good. We love these kind of podcasts that keep us on our toes at every single turn. Fantastic storytelling mechanism. Yeah. And like Amy said, this is a love story is the true thread here. And it's with Deborah Newell and John Meehan. Mm -hmm. Deborah is Meehan. Yep. Deborah is a divorcee in her fifties with a few children who are all grown and out of the house. And she's trying to find love again. And just like the rest of us goes online. And we have to stop and mention, she's not just a divorcee. She is divorced four times already. So she's an expert divorcee. She knows a thing or two about divorce. The other thing that you come to learn very quickly about Deborah is that she's a really smart lady. Yes. You know, she has her own business, incredibly successful, that she built all of all by herself. Yeah, an interior decorating business. Right. So, you know, she she runs a business. She's artistic. She's raised four children. This woman seemingly has it together. Absolutely. And when we say she has her own business, she has her own business in Newport Beach. Right. Which, that clientele is difficult. It's expensive to live out there. So, as you can imagine, Deborah's doing great. Yeah, she's, she's rich. She's, she's loaded. She's super, super loaded. And she's looking to find a guy that can help complete her Fifth time's a charm, as they say, and stitch on on pillows. (laughs) And so she meets John online, and he seems great. He's a divorcee as well, a um, doctor, not an anesthetician. They do facials. Anesthesiologist. Anesthesiologist. Here's why that's going to be funny in a couple of minutes. I know an anesthesiologist, and you think (laughs) I would know how to say that. But so, yeah, they start dating, and it is I've never seen a relationship hit fast forward so fast. A whirlwind romance. He essentially is living with her in her house after two weeks. Uh Now, here's where we have to stop and mention, you know, she thinks he's really great. But her oldest daughter, Jacqueline, is living with her at the time. Mm -hmm. And she is immediately, Spidey senses up, this gem guy's no good. Mm -hmm. And in fact, like, John's kind of under the radar living at the house and she has to move out because she cannot stand this guy. So the first thing that happens is... Deb is starting to become isolated from her family. Her youngest daughter, Tara, is like a sweet muffin of a thing. Mm -hmm. Even though she's in her early 20s, she's still very childlike and innocent. And upon meeting him, like, she didn't like him right away. And you come to find out, I think, in the second episode that she just sobbed all the way through Christmas that year. So we should say, in in timeline, they meet late 2014, in October, I believe. Yeah, and they... He's coming to Thanksgiving mm-hmm. with the family, meeting her oldest daughter's children, like meeting grandchildren, meeting her, her mother, her mother, meeting her nephew, who she has taken in as a son due to the fact that she lost her sister years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is ingrained in this family, but the daughters, their gut instinct is raising flags everywhere, and they continue to have to explain to their mom, like, we don't like him. I can't tell you what it is. But you have to trust us. And she 
doesn't because she knows his heart. He, right. the love of her life, to the point where she has to go to therapy with her daughter. Yes. And have the therapist, who, while you listen, actually doesn't sound like a great therapist, if I can be honest. Yeah. She's telling her, like, you know what? you got to put up boundaries between you and your children. You love this man. You need to do that. I really do think sometimes therapists can get snowed based on the information that Absolutely. the clients reveal and what they're holding My therapist back. only knows what I want him to know. Exactly. <laughs> like Instagram. So I, I had the same thought about the therapist, but then I stopped and went, mm, yeah, but I bet they weren't playing with a full deck of cards because they of weren't course. given all of the info. So anyway, I mean, John, and there's there's some red flags about John. Like, he tries to sleep with her on the first date. Yep. And she does turn him down, but he gets real pouty about uh-huh. it. But she she... Ignores that flag and moves ahead. Another red flag is that he only wears like schlubby old clothes. And like Arizona, he's obsessed with Arizona State. All of his like hoodies are like ratty Arizona State hoodies, shorts. He even showed up to a really nice charity event that she um, was invited to. She invited him as a guest and he came in his scrubs. Yeah, which was really pretty disgusting because. Anybody who's in the medical field will tell you, you go to work in clothes, you change into scrubs, you dump them in like the medical waste bin to go get cleaned, and then you go home in your clothes again. So you shouldn't be leaving any hospitals in any scrubs because, as we know, there could be a blood-borne pathogen on it, and you don't want to take that around town. It's too dangerous. And it's disgusting. I mean, lettuce right now is dangerous. Right? Absolutely. So there are all of these signs, but he is attentive to her. He We'll go oh, and take yeah. her Maserati in to be, you know, service. Go get the Tesla gassed up. And I'm not dropping those names because, but those are her cars. She's so rich. She's so rich. And he does grocery shopping, takes her laundry, you know, to the dry cleaners. He's doing these amazing, like, acts of service as yes. love. Well, and saying, you know, all of the sweet nothings in her ear, you know, doing her well at nighttime, uh-huh. if you know what I mean. I mean, he's got her hook, line, and sinker. And, in fact... Just about two months after knowing each other, he convinces her to get married in Vegas. Yep. She's going on a business trip. He accompanies her, and he essentially bullies her mm-hmm. into going to a chapel and getting married. Yeah, so all of this that we're kind of sharing with you is really the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. Episode one is the real thing, and by episode two, you see that title, Newlyweds, and you're like, damn oh, it, Deb. Deb. God Deb. damn it, Deborah. Did Come you on. not listen to your daughters? So things go from great to bad really quickly. Yes. So just a few months that they're married, I think it's in February now of 2015, um, she's already seen the light, and she's starting to see the cracks in his foundation. Mm-hmm. And uh, she leaves him, right, that first time? And yep. then he winds up needing back surgery, so she's kind of safe from him, but he doesn't manage to not terrorize her. Yeah. He can get to her, and he's shaking her up pretty bad. Her kids are really supportive of her at this time and even help her get stuff. Oh, by the way, just after a few weeks of knowing each other and the daughter being upset that they're living together, they got this sick-ass beachfront condo that Deb put down a year's worth of rent for. And it was a $6,500 rent. Ooh, she so, has coin. Yeah, I think she's in, like, Balboa Park. I yes. mean, right on, like, the waterfront. It's beautiful. She's financing their whole life. Like, Absolutely. You know, every, oh, sorry. Oh, I knocked, knocked things over. I had to switch up my beer. Sorry. Um, okay, so it goes bad quickly. Her daughters get her out of the rental place. You know, she's back living in her own house. It seems as though, 
you know, she's gotten saved. She's got the problem of being married to this guy. She yep. has to admit to her. She lied during Christmas and everything that they were legally married. Yep. But now she's got to come clean about it. And her family's got to get her out of it. And they definitely think that it's over with her and John. But it is not. It is not. And this is where the podcast is actually really great. You're down the journey with Deb and John and Tara and Jacqueline and the whole family. And then starting with episode three, we're starting to see John's not dirty. He's fucking filthy. And that's what the title of this episode is called. And this is where we start to learn. This isn't John's first time at the rodeo. He has found other women who are very well off and kind of attached themselves to them. And when they want to go, this man is so despicable that he will terrorize her and that mob mentality. Not you. I'm not going to terrorize you. I'm going to terrorize your entire family and everyone you know. Thanks for the nudes. Sending them to mom. And just really, you just get this deep backstory that is, it's bone chilling. Yeah, How somebody can behave this way and think this way psychologically. The reporter um, interviews John's sister, Mm -hmm. and she's got nothing but shit to say Uh about him. She says, she talks about their childhood. Basically, their family, like their father was kind of what John becomes. And their father was really interested in being part of the mob and essentially ran his life like a con and taught John how to con. And that's all John knows. And the sister, you know, kind of got away from it. And she's married and has, you know, a real life. Yeah. And she talks about all the time she tried to help John. She tried to house him. She tried to keep him on the straight and narrow. And he still stole from her. Meanwhile, along the way, he's developed a drug problem. Yes. So... We find out in this filthy episode his backstory. We find out about his ex-wife and his daughters. And you hear some phone calls between he and the ex-wife where he is harassing her. And then you find out that he is not an anesthesiologist. He has... He's an anesthesiological nurse. The nurse who can do Who's lost his license because he got caught stealing drugs from the hospital because he essentially... Was a drug addict. Yeah. And those, like you mentioned, those um, recordings between he and his ex-wife are fascinating. I mean, the way he, too, is trying to bully her mob mentality-wise. And you just hear this sickening excitement in his voice when he says, you should see the smile on my face. I am going to ruin you. So what time do I pick up the kids tonight, though? Oh, my God. And that was when when the conversations would flip and this woman knew he was going to try to terrorize her and kill her. But if she didn't let him see his children, she would be the one in jail. And that is a true mindfuck. Yes. And it was just one of those things that you're like, I'm not playing around and listening to a guy that dabbles in crime. This guy has an education and teaches it. Uh, yes. And he's not stupid. Nope. He's incredibly intelligent and like uses his powers only for evil. Yeah. So you also find out that he's been in prison, and you look at the timeline, he was released four days before his first date with Deb. So that's why he had a bunch of bullshit clothes on and wanted to move in with her immediately. He was homeless, essentially. Basically, the night one that he met her on a date, he climbed into her bed and was like, oh, this feels so good. Right. Yeah, you've been slipping on a metal cot, man. Yeah, so the podcast takes that detour there in in the filthy episode and teaches us all that. And then in the next episode... We learn some backstory about Deb and her family and why they should really maybe have their eyes peeled for bad dudes who are prone to domestic violence because we learned that Deb's sister was murdered in the 80s by her husband. Yes. Which is a reason that she took in her nephews and, you know, essentially a second mother. Mm -hmm. 
We also hear a lot from uh, Arlene, Arlene, Deb's mom. And you take it. I know you're obsessed with this part of the <laughs> so story. This is episode four, Forgiveness, and it really does focus on Deb's mom, Arlene. And you hear so much about how, you know, she just loved John from the minute she met him and told him she loved him. And you just get this feeling that this woman, like her daughter, might not put her children first. Mm-hmm. And so it comes to find out that her youngest daughter, I believe Charlene, mm-hmm. was murdered by her husband as they were trying to go through a divorce and in cold blood just came up to her at the kitchen table, one bullet in her neck. Oh. And when the cops came to Arlene's house, she broke down crying, started praying for her son-in-law, Billy, because he's such a wonderful man and I love him and he wasn't dead. He tried to kill himself, but yes. it didn't work. Right. And so she just prayed that he'd make it. And you go, what? what? Arlene. Fuck. Arlene. And so where this is funny for me is I have an aunt who married an anesthesiologist named John. Mm-hmm. My aunt's mother, my grandmother, is named Arlene. And who was a very forgiving woman. And all of my aunt divorced my uncle. It was just I craziness when I heard this episode I was like mom John's not dead right (laughs) (laughs) I remember talking to you after you listened to this episode and how freaked the fuck out you Mm -hmm. were of the similarities between this story and your family yeah and the fact that Arlene the grandmother very much reminded me of my grandmother Mm -hmm. you know what I mean if you ran her over she'd apologize to you You know, she'd bring you the casserole. So right. just like hearing this woman who has kind of like a skewed vision here, she lost her daughter, and then you find out, and nobody should be surprised, but it still is shocking when you find out that she testified for four days on the witness stand in his defense. Yeah. And like, oh. what, Arlene? You just lost your daughter. She's like, Billy's a good man. I love him. And you're like, okay. Okay. This is what we're doing. If we have questions about Deb, it's because they start with our lead. You know, there are still women, um, you know, with, with some older thinking mm-hmm. that are male apologists yes. at all times. And I certainly think she must have passed that on to her daughters. And Deb, you know, was looking past these red flags, making excuses and apologies. She was risking losing her relationship with her children and her nephews and still continued to choose this man. Mm -hmm. Now, also at this time, you have to realize what a a woman in an abusive relationship, you know, feels. And like, he isolates her. He tells her that her family is bad for him. Her, excuse me. He's telling her that all of her, her children only want her money. Yeah. They're waiting for her to die to get her money. Yeah. So I guess... We alluded to it before, but as we continue on in the story, after we hear about his background and Deb's background, we find out that Deb went back to him. Yep. He recovered from his back surgery, and she moves back in with him, and they continue their marriage for another year. Yeah, and I think it was either around this time or prior that Tara didn't believe that John was working. He would right. leave every morning. It was Jacqueline. She Jacqueline, the tracker the one. car. Mm-hmm. Jacqueline ended son. up putting a tracker on her mom's car that he would use every day to the Tesla. go the Tesla to go to quote unquote work, and in tracking him that he would go around to doctors' offices all the time, but not stay long enough to work, mm-hmm. or you know go eat like as she said shit food. Mm-hmm. So clearly a little in and out or whatever. But she was under the impression he was going around trying to get scripts. 
probably does. Yeah. There's so much that we still don't know about what John was really doing in that time. Um, But anyway, she goes back to him and the pattern of abuse gets worse and worse and isolation. And, you know, Deb is having a hard time with the estrangement from her family to the point where she goes to visit a lawyer with John and wants advice on how to convince John and her children that the money, her money, when she dies, will go to her children. And because they did a quickie Vegas wedding, the lawyer suggests, well, why don't you write a post-nuptial agreement? So that that sounds great. Right, so that your children can be at ease because they think John wants to take his, you know, her money. And she's thinking, well, that would be a good way for my children to be at ease and maybe we could continue as a happy family. Well, John is having none of that and is having a full-on temper tantrum right in the lawyer's office. And this lawyer, bless his good Samaritan heart, realizes this woman is in mortal danger. Yeah, and she needs to, as I say, escape. Episode 5 is all about that. How can Deb get out of this? It's insane. Yeah, and she reluctantly realizes yeah. that she's in a bad spot and needs to get out. So she does get up the courage to leave him again. Mm-hmm. And he starts this pattern of harassment yep. that he has done with other women in the past. We mm-hmm. know later. Yeah. And then he, um, it goes away for a while because he lives in a trailer in the desert. He does yeah. have a house, but it's this disgusting little trailer in the desert He's like a hoarder. He's a I mean, hoarder. It's a- yeah, it's very weird stuff. But he's away for a while. But Jacqueline and Tara, her daughters, start getting, again, their spidey senses yep. up. And think that he, they think they've caught a couple glimpses of him. And they start to worry that he's going to come after him. Then we hear a little bit. This is just storytelling. We hear a little bit more from the sister. Mm-hmm. And she talks about that mob mentality that they were taught as children from their father that if you want revenge on somebody, don't go for them. It's not going to do much for you. You go for their family. Yeah. And he definitely has a pattern of that. He certainly does. We see that in, you know, we, we get a little glimpse of some of his relationships where he has sent, again, other women that have left him. He'll send nudes to their places of work yes. that he has of them. He will hack into your Facebook and start... Um, putting out all of your dirty laundry and then you come to realize too that when he's been courting these women he basically data mines them Mm -hmm. he finds out all of their dirty secrets under the guise of love and trust and sharing with one another oh yeah then when it turns when the relationship goes sour he will use that info to destroy these women's lives yeah i mean he has a goal and it's clearly to get these women's money I'm not sure while listening to this if you ever feel that he was ever in love with these women. But the problem is, and as you listen to this podcast, you hear all of this terrible stuff about John. And you hear Deborah talking about all of this stuff about John. But wistfully, as if she's still in love with him. In love with him. And that she can still explain away this horrible behavior of stalking her. And I getting into her Facebook and doing posts and... Yeah, it's very clear to me. It was clear to me the first time I listened to it, and then I re-listened to the entire podcast mm-hmm. this week. It hit me, like, a, a, immediately again, like, this woman still loves him. Yeah. So, okay, let's say spoiler alert again. Spoiler alert. We're going to talk about episode six, which is titled Tara, and here's where the story culminates and ends in the craziest fucking way. In the craziest way is accurate. So, like we just said... We, 
have good reason to believe that John is stalking Deb's family. Yep. And in fact, we do know her her nephew, Chad, like he is sending him constant harassment. He can change his phone number as many times. John will always get the new number and be harassing him. But Tara, her youngest, who we'll talk about her personality, I think, after we like kind of get through the story part of it. But one day her youngest is pulling up to her apartment complex and she parks in a parking garage and gets out of her car, sees a man in a vehicle who she thinks is like a homeless guy kind of like settling in to sleep or something. But then all of a sudden, out of the car comes John with a knife and begins to attack Tara. Yeah. Comes running at her. Mm -hmm. And she's screaming. Help me. Help help me. me. Call my mom. Call my mom. And thankfully for her, there was a younger girl in the apartment complex who had just almost gotten home, heard the sounds of screaming, had her shoes on, and went running. Yep. Told her mom to call 911. And these are the 911 calls that you hear the very first episode. Mm -hmm. There's a man and a girl... There's been an attack. She's bleeding. She's bleeding. And you hear these things such as like 36 stab wounds or they give you the number of how many times somebody's been stabbed and you know this is about to go down. And what plays out is it sounds, and and they played on the podcast, like a scene from an action movie because it kind of happens and and how it finishes is so illogical almost. So he attacks her. She manages to strike his knife hand just right to knock the knife out of his hand and it lays, falls on the ground and handled to her. Handled to her. So she grabs it and she stabs John 13 times, the final one through the eye into the brain. Yep. And he doesn't die immediately, but he's done for. It's pretty close. And he stabbed her a couple times. So the paramedics come. You know, they get him to the hospital. His sister that we've talked to also works at that hospital, and she reads his brain scans, and she goes ahead and pulls the plug. Yeah. Because he's, he was going to be a vegetable forever uh-huh. if he even survived. Um, Tara is patched up, and she's okay, but that's the end of it. That's it's, John died. She killed Tara him. killed John. And what is so, like I said, like an action movie about it is – she is a little thing of 23 or 24. Yeah. He is 6'2", 200 pounds, had the weapon, everything was on his side, and she manages to outsmart him and kill him. And we ask, or the reporter asks her why, and this is so bizarre. Yeah, her reasoning for how and why is she's a big Walking Dead fan, and she is prepared for the end of the world and the zombie apocalypse, and she's really obsessed and by watching The Walking Dead, realized, oh, if I, they kill people by getting a knife into their eye or uh-huh. stuff like that. And in the midst of all of that, her Walking Dead zombie apocalypse training worked in her favor and she was able to kill her attacker. She stabbed all the vitals. She yep. stabbed his lungs through his back. Yep. And then knew to finish it off to go through the eye into the brain from watching a fictional zombie television show that we know of she also knew to hold the knife overhand in a fist rather than underhand because it could slip and cut you Mm -hmm. she and she was logically thinking all of that through as she was killing her stepfather who deserved it and it's funny when she says like oh the walking dead like her little cute california baby voice you weren't expecting this yeah I think this is where we need to kind of, like, stop and talk about the characters, you know, so... The real-life characters. Right. I mean, yeah, these are real people. God, Jesus. 
Like, so Deb, like we've been saying, I have a lot of questions about Deb's decision-making processes. And then you hear from both Jacqueline and Tara, Jacqueline is smart as a whip Mm -hmm. and had her senses about her the whole time. And then there's Tara, the youngest, who, I don't mean to say this in a cruel way, but seems slow. Like, she's got social inept issues, it seems like. Like, she's so meek. She she has, like, some friends, and she had a boyfriend yeah. for a while, but she just seems to have... There's something a little off about her. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I think that she's so innocent and sweet that, yeah, it doesn't look like she could defend herself, and it does have this ability, you know, she lived in Vegas, she wanted to be a vet. Yeah, she was an animal groomer, but yeah. her job. So she was, you know, happy, loved her life, but just kind of one of those aloofness sort of things that you just didn't think she was always looking around, you know, keys in their hand kind of girl. Didn't, even listening to her talking, though, I thought I was listening to, like, a 14 or 15-year-old yeah. more than a 20-year-old woman who yep. lives on her own. Mm-hmm. And then... And in Vegas, of all places. Right. I mean, obviously, we never hear from John. Uh, you know, the, the Other fact, than the voice recordings that right. actually I provided. I think I must have figured out partway through the podcast that John was either the one that died or he's in prison. Yeah. Because they really make you afraid that Tara is going to die. And if you realize, again, such great like storytelling, they start speaking about Tara in only third person. Yep. But then again, we've heard interviews with Tara, so we know it she's not It took a while dead. to find out that Tara was still alive. Right. That, yes, for the first like pod or so... You hear, oh, Tara this, Tara did that, Tara, Tara was. was, Tara would. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, is it Tara? Tara and then all of a sudden she starts talking and you're like, oh, okay, okay, I guess you're here. These aren't yeah. pre-recorded before death. Right. And we know Deb's alive, we hear her. So you don't know who's going to die, but it only makes sense that it was Dirty John. Yeah. And I think what was really great for me is, you know, last year the podcast did a live show with Christopher. And did this amazing, like, hour-plus-long podcast where, you know, he really explained how the story came to be. How he was, like, just listening to, like, the beat radio and somebody called and was like, hey, something going on in Orange County? Like, we hear it on the news, like, radio. Like, that's nothing. Like, all right, man. And just missed the original story until things really came to light. But he had interviews with John's first wife, John's children. Mm-hmm. He did pre-interview, like pre-recorded interviews, but they were there. I mean, hearing his daughters talk about the fact that their father was terrifying growing up, and how even when he was gone, they always just looked through every corner because they just were afraid he would be there one morning when they're going to school, right. and just the terror and how they're like, oh, "I'm glad he's dead. I don't care that terror killed my dad. I'm fine with it." Yeah, the six parts of the story are so satisfying on their own, but it was this live show that you're Mm -hmm. talking about. I listened to it for the first time today, Mm -hmm. and it's so wonderful to have as like a supplemental talk back to that podcast. And the interviews with the ex-wife, Deb and Tara, uh, wow. And when they really talk about, you know, like Deb said, look, it wasn't real fun to admit all of these stupid decisions I made. But I did this podcast and I told my story because the control and abuse I suffered under him, I hope by telling my story, some other woman won't go through this. Yeah. And how, you know, a charming man can really 
cloud your judgment. Yeah, like, it's really, like, that phrase, like, what you'll do for love. Like, almost anything. Right. You'll even look past every red flag that you see and you know to be true than the ones that your family members are telling you. And hearing that was just... I'm glad she told her story. I'm sorry that I have so many questions for her. Uh-huh. But I'm hopeful that it can help other women as well. Like you said, coercive. Yeah, they had um, they brought out on the podcast like a kind of a psychologist, an mm-hmm. expert in this, who talked about coercive control, which I've talked I told a story on this podcast yeah. before of uh, you know, a woman who killed her husband who had controlled her every move for their entire lives and she finally snapped one day and killed him. Yeah. But coercive control is like a uh, that that kind of abuse where somebody isolates you and wants to essentially control everything that you do and like you become theirs. Yes. Also on the live show, so much other good dirt about mm-hmm. all the, the shit that he would do to old ex-girlfriends. Because yes. after this podcast came out, women came out of the woodwork. Oh, yes. Ex-girlfriends came out and reached out to Christopher, like, I dated Dirty John in the 80s, and yep. here's what's happened to me. And a lot of them spoke under anonymity because they were too embarrassed to admit that they had fallen for this guy. And look, they weren't all stupid. Just like Deb, a lot of them were intelligent, self-business women yeah. with... With well, lives, was- and they fell for the wrong guy. And, you know, there was one woman that said she still suffers from PTSD yes. from what he did when he was harassing that her. That was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, like, really what this part of the podcast, that you really got this strong understanding of his, like, grossness, his filth, yeah. his hoarding. He really didn't take care of himself and was just... Right, yeah. But then when also, they go to his trailer, six two with, like, an eight-pack, like, he had time to do, to yes. work out and come up with all these lies about being, like, a Doctors Without Borders and, a, you know, in Afghanistan. Like, somewhere he was writing this down and remembering it, but it was great that other women came out and you could hear more to the story. Yeah, I really love them. They had, like, a profiler-type uh-huh. ex- expert come out and talk about, like, how he must have gotten off on this and how, you know, they say he was really good-looking he could talk to anybody about anything. He could, yeah. you know, he could meet your friends and he would talk to the guys about the football. He would talk to the older ladies and charm them. He could play with kids. Animals liked him. Like, um, that he was so charming and so, and he, it, the profiler was talking about how some people are just born bad, like mm-hmm. with worms in the brain and you can't, there's no, because there was no like traumatic event in John's yes. life that we know of. No injury or like inciting moment that took him down this bad path. He was just born this way and the profiler was saying, yes, certainly these women's money was a motive for him, yeah. but more so he probably just liked torturing others. In kind of that way, like, I want to see if I can. Yeah. And like the sex, oh, and like the one story from the woman who he forced to be his sex slave for a year. So he had dated this yeah. woman, she broke it off, and he threatened her with all this dirt that he had on her. He was gonna blackmail her. He blackmailed her uh-huh. into being his sex slave for a year. I, I think she's the one with the PTSD. I, how could she I, not it's, be? It's so, he did so much crazy shit, and Deb was just his last victim. Yeah. And Little did he know a tiny little girl from Vegas was going to be the end of his demise. Thank God for the walking dead. Or who knows what Dirty John could have done. And let his daughters, when they were giving their interviews and said, oh, we're not mad at Tara at all. Like, 
the one daughter was saying, I wish he had survived because he deserves to sit in prison and suffer the rest yes. of his life. But look, I'm not mad at Tara. She did what she had to do. Yeah. And, and Tara took a lot of comfort in that. Yes. Like, I'm really glad that his daughters aren't mad at me. Right? I mean, because she suffered through so much. And still is. And, yeah. She's got it rough. She really does. Um, and thankfully, because this took the world by storm, Podcast World and, you know, Vulture and everybody else weren't the only ones that were obsessed with it. The heads of Bravo TV really clicked in to this podcast. And in fact... On Friday, November 23rd, or no, it's sorry, it's Sunday, November 25th, okay. Dirty John will air on Bravo in one of their, I think, first scripted series. It's a reality TV show, and they're dipping their toe, and they couldn't have picked a better... The show's not reality. You mean Bravo's known for reality yes. TV. And this, it, yeah, this is a full uh-huh. scripted show with celebrities. Eric Bana is playing John and Connie Britton. With the hair. Of Connie Britton hair. Yeah, we've got... playing our dub. We've got Jean Smart playing Arlene. Mm-hmm. Um, her daughters, um, the girl who plays Tara, is actually on Ozark. I know you watched that show a little bit. Oh, yeah. Is that her? That uh-huh. her? I did watch a little Ozark. Um, and so what's actually great is the podcast is continuing. There have been two episodes so far interviewing the stars. Mm-hmm. And what is so amazing is I believe I was listening to the Eric Bana one, and Christopher Gathard still does all of the interviews with everybody. And, like, Eric Bannock knew the story. There was no script, but he heard Connie Britton was his yep. deb, and he was like, I'm and in. Let's do it. And you hear from Connie, and loved hearing from the daughters, the older girl. Um, so it's not Jacqueline on the show. It's Veronica oh, or yeah, Ronnie. the name. Unclear why, but that actress is British, oh, and yeah. she has to put on a California accent, and the younger girl is from New York, and so she was like, I couldn't come in and be like, Oh, mom, I'm mad that you're doing this. And she was like, I've got to have this, like, oh, no, 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 like high pitched voice. She was like, I really had to work hard to give you that Tara voice that you hear on the oh, podcast, goodness. which I appreciated how much work they all put into. It's so good. Can I sidebar real quick yeah. and just say, look, Jacqueline is super smart, the oldest daughter, mm-hmm. but when you hear her on the podcast, she has such a California lilt oh, to her I know. voice. Everything was, and then I said to my mom yeah. that we need to get him out of here, like. Yes. And I was like, Jacqueline, sweetie, I'm with you. Uh-huh. I'm going to need you to tone that down. Right. <laughs> so when- anyway, that's why Dirty John is back in the news so hard, is it's coming out on TV this week. It's coming out on Sunday, but Amy and I did a thing, and mm-hmm. we found that Bravo released the first episode on their app only. So what did we do last night? We watched Dirty John. We watched Dirty the first John. Episode. Oh, it was so good. So it good. was everything I wanted it to be. So true to the podcast. Yes. It was, it's like, it feels dangerous just to watch it because I know uh-huh. what's going to happen and I'm like, Connie, Connie, I no. know. Everything that you think, what, okay, I'm going to, I'm too excited to talk. <laughs> but what I love is the fact that through all of this, we really don't know John. We know the stories. Yeah. But Eric Bana has embodied I just got this you. just deep anger, but this quiet anger yeah. and this behavior in a way that can just, like the Hulk, haha, get it? He played the mm-hmm. Hulk at one point in time, um, can just burst out of nowhere and then he can immediately go back and say, oh, I'm really sorry that that happened. I just love you so much and to see John embodied finally yes. is satisfying. And like Eric Bana said in his episode of the podcast, like he could not wait to get rid of John and to stop uh. having anger towards women for no reason. <laughs> and I thought that that was smart. John has anger towards women for no reason, 
And it's the yes. reason he's behaving this way. He spent his life looking at how to destroy other mm-hmm. women's lives. Yeah. And just just for his own pleasure. Yeah. And some financial gain. Exactly. So we recommend, so we went and watched the episode because we have been Dirty John fans for over a year. We've listened to the podcast. Knew we wanted to talk to you guys about it. But so that's why we went and watched the show. So we recommend that you guys take a listen to the full six episodes of Dirty John over your Thanksgiving holiday. Shouldn't be too long. No episode is longer than 35 minutes, maybe 40 minutes. Yeah, it's such an easy listen. I re-listened to the entire six-part series yesterday. Yeah. And then on Sunday, when you are done with turkey, done with your family, done with pie, <laughs> go over to Bravo and watch Dirty John. I have to be honest, you will not be disappointed. It is fantastic, and I'm so excited that it's here. We're breathlessly excited. We're breathlessly excited. And I will say this is a bizarre fun fact, but when we were watching it last night, I saw that like the soundtrack and music is by Mark Mothersbaugh. Uh-huh. Oh. What? The Simpsons? Rugrats. Oh, Rugrats. That's right. Danny Elfman does The Simpsons. Yes, but I just thought that was Rugrats. Oh, that's right. I was, I was like, like I know that name. What a fun tidbit for us zennials out there. Ah, <laughs> it is. Yes. So don't be an Angelica. Go watch <laughs> Dirty John this weekend and check out the podcast. It's obviously one of our favorites. Listen to it for yourself. Seriously, like we just covered it, but and I know we ruined the ending, but listen to the podcast. Yes. It's so good. But you have to hear this fucking guy's voice. Yeah. So you know what we realized. Tara was a massive fan of The Walking Dead, and she was able to take what she learned from that show and then apply it and save her life. So Amy and I were wondering, is there anything that we've watched on television that has aided us in our lives? Right. Do you have anything, Amy? Has any television show informed you so much (laughs) that you have really been able to go forward? It's like... I can think of television shows where I learned to do my makeup a little bit better because uh-huh. I like that characters. But no, I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I was like, thank God I watched that show. I now know exactly what to do. And certainly not in a life or death situation. You said you had something though. Tell me. Yeah. Life or death situation. Everybody knows there's nothing worse than warm beer when you're <laughs> just trying to get your drink on. <laughs> yeah. And thank God I'm a weird science nerd at heart. I liked watching Alton Brown a lot as a kid and saw an episode where what is the quickest way to get a drink cold? Mm-hmm. Was it to put it in the freezer, set it in ice, put it in the fridge? What is the best way to do it? So years ago, we were trying to chill a bottle mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I got it. Filled up the sink with ice, water, and some salt, let it melt, chill the bottle in seconds. And then that came in handy later on when we were at a wedding reception or getting ready for a wedding. And I was like, I got this. I grabbed it. know what to do. I grabbed a trash can, filled it up. That has definitely come in handy. But here's the difference. On the cooking channel or the food network, the fact, they mean to teach you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Watching The Walking Dead and literally using information to save your own life and kill your attacker, that is the part of the story that just takes it from crazy to uber nuts. But I think you're also not giving the Walking Dead fandom enough credit. There are, after walking, there are walking cons. I think that they do mildly also teach them that stuff because they're getting people ready for the zombie apocalypse. Like, she had a bug out bag. Like, she was ready to go. She did. And um, I think her sisters, they said, I think on the podcast that her sisters gave her some items for Mm -hmm. her, like, zombie bag. So I don't know if they did it as, like, a joke or, you know, just lovingly because she would like it. But... That shit came in handy. It really did. That bitch saved herself. Like, she's a hero. 
Yeah, she really is. But so this is not the only other podcast in the world. We kind of wanted to take a moment every week and share with you what we call like the podcast pulse. What are others listening to? And I do have to call out real quick, give props to Sandy Randolph, my mom. She loved our birthday episode so much where we talked about the top 10 podcasts that she was like, I want more of that. So we're debuting this week, the podcast pulse. So this week we're going to do the top three podcasts on iTunes today, November 20th. We're just going to tell you what they are so you know what the people are listening to. Yeah. So number one is Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. And this is brand spanking new, isn't it? Brand spanking new. And hold on to your hats because it might be my pop-up in a minute. So this podcast, after 25 years at the late night desk, Conan realized that the only people at his holiday party are the men and women who work for him. I want to go to a holiday party. Over the years, and despite thousands of interviews, Conan has never made a real and lasting friendship with any of his celebrity guests. So he started a podcast to do just that. Deeper, unboundingly playful, and free from FCC regulations, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is a weekly opportunity for Conan to hang out with the people he enjoys most and perhaps find some real friendships along the way. I will say I worked in New York City forever ago, and I walked by him on the street, and had he offered friendship, I would have accepted I really would have. Well, good to know. So the number two most listened to podcast uh, today is Rachel Maddow Presents Bad Man. Bag Man. Um, bag. So this, oh, I said bad when you were reading it to me earlier. <laughs> Sorry. Bag, B-A-G. So this is actually in conjunction with MSNBC. So this is all about scandal 45 yes. years ago. So the show says, is it possible for an American vice president to carry out a criminal enterprise inside the White House and have nobody remember? Yes. Because I don't know what they're talking about. To have one of the most brazen political bribery scandals in America history play out before the country while nobody's paying attention, in her first original podcast, MSNBC's Rachel Maddow goes back 45 years to dig into a story that got overshadowed in its day. So this is all about the vice president under Nixon, from what I'm finding out in tax evasion. But it sounds... And it's cool. It's a yeah, several part you said, so yeah. I, I might dig into that one. Yeah. And then funny enough, because of the press, um, number three this week is Dirty John. I wonder or today. Why. It's Dirty John. Yeah. It's it's coming out, it's back in the news, and everyone is re-listening to Dirty John as they should. As are we. We just both crushed it a couple of times in the last few days. So yeah, yeah be exciting to see what's shaking next week. Like I said, after the Thanksgiving holiday, mm-hmm. people are traveling, they're driving, they're flying, they're downloading podcasts, doing a good deep dive into everything. Hopefully you're listening to podcast rewind, give them a five star review. Well, yeah. And if you haven't listened to dirty John yet, this holiday weekend would be an excellent time to do that. Yeah. So Amy, you mentioned you listened to Conan O'Brien needs a friend. I did. So let's move on to pop-ups. Yeah. Before I knew that it was number one. Um, that's a podcast that I listened to just this morning. Yeah. Um, I was actually finishing up a watch what crap, no, a bitch sesh. I listened okay. to a bitch sesh. And I thought I heard those ladies blasting through the apartment. Yep. And they had a commercial at the end of it for Conan O'Brien's new show. And I thought, oh, shit. You know, look. Does so one he must more... be on Airwolf then with that. He is on Airwolf, yeah. And I thought to myself, first thing, oh, my God, another comedian has a podcast. Do we really need another comedian hosting a podcast? Yes, because I need Conan O'Brien hosting a podcast. But Conan O'Brien, like the um, title suggests, needs a friend. And that's the title of the podcast, and he has one episode out that dropped today. And look, he got a bang-up guest, yeah. Will 
Farrell. Oh, I would totally be friends with Will Farrell. Yeah. So did we just become best friends? Did we just become best friends? Um, it was a it was about an hour long conversation. Well, actually, really only about forty minutes with Will. Oh. So a lot. His show, I will say, is very much the format of Dax Shepard's Armchair Expert. Got it. And so he starts off just talking, and, and he's got two producer people. Both of them have worked with him. I don't exactly know how, but behind the scenes at his show for years. So he's talking a little bit about why he's doing a podcast, and it's kind of a cute premise where he says, I've met every celebrity. They've all been on my show. I'm here to find out who's really my friend, yes. and if I have any true friends in Hollywood, by sitting down and talking to uh-huh. um, comedians and celebrities. And so he talks to his producers for a little bit, then Will Ferrell comes on, and it's a very much... An inside Hollywood type talk, I guess. Okay. So I didn't realize this. Conan started on television in 1993. So he's had a television yeah. show for 25 years. Yeah. Does he still have his TBS show or is that done? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't TBS. I know it went from an hour to a half hour yeah. recently, but I don't know if it's fully so long. I guess I should have Googled that before I got on the mic and asked questions. Okay, it, Google. <laughs> at any rate, oh, there goes shit. your phone. <laughs> At any rate, he's been on the air for 25 years, and he talked about how back in the mid-90s, around like 95, 96, when Will Ferrell was still on SNL, Uh actually, Will was new on SNL, and he would come down the hall and do Conan's show all the time. Uh And he would just bust in and try out new characters. Oh, fun. And like characters that got cut from skits on SNL... And he would be like, ah, shit, I still like that character. And yeah. Adam McKay was a writer at SNL at uh-huh. the time. The two of them would just walk down the hall, knock on, on the Conan studio, and be like, can we come on? We're going to try some stuff. And Conan would be like, yeah, sure. We start in an hour. I'm a new show. It's the 90s yeah. where we got time. They talked a lot, too, about some of the stuff they've done over their careers that got critically panned but people loved. Uh-huh. Like Will Ferrell said when Step Brothers, yeah. which we referenced a second ago, came out. Um, Roger and Ebert, I think only, I think Ebert had already died yeah. and it was only Roger who put in his, um, uh, review? critique review, whatever you do, don't see this movie. It's so bad. That like, makes everybody watch it. Right. And Step Brothers did so well. And Will Ferrell was kind of, even snarkily, I would say a little bit like, I just, I know my work and I know it works and I know it was a little bit masturbatory. You love that word. You know how, yeah, I mean, I am, I have a theater background and when I see performers doing stuff only for them, yeah. I call it masturbatory and I get a little irked by it mm-hmm. and I am totally calling Will Ferrell out for being super masturbatory on this podcast, Yeah, but at least he's Will Ferrell and he's super successful and it was a really funny conversation to listen to. I just recognize that. He also talks about that Lifetime movie he oh did my, with Kristen Wiig. so weird. Did you watch that? No, you told me about it. And he kind of explains why they did it and how it worked and how other, even other actors on the set were confused Uh by what they were doing. But he was like, but I knew what I was doing. And I'm like, well, still the rest of us don't. But he thinks he loves that work. So, you know, I... Some of that conversation, I was like, God, that's so fucking annoying when artists do that. But to listen to two comedy greats, Colin, um, oh, sorry, Conan (laughs) O'Brien and Will Ferrell... Uh, I want to say Colin Farrell. <laughs> I, I know. To do yeah. it. Um, you know, just having like a chat about their careers and their friendship that they've had for over 20 years. So definitely worth a listen. Yeah. Fun fact. My family hates all Will Ferrell movies. All? Uh-huh. Uh, my dad liked Ricky Bobby because he's a NASCAR <laughs> fan. Yep. But like they, 
they've tried watching Elf. They've tried watching Old School. I mean, every movie of his, they're like, ugh, this guy again. I'm like, if sometimes he's a true movier. Like, you need to see Step Brothers twice to really think that the Catalina wine mixer is hilarious. Yeah. You know what I mean? And also, if you're not into his style of comedy, so then you're just not, yeah, then, like, because really at the end of the day, Anchorman and Elf and, um... Ricky Bobby, or really all the same movie. It's yeah. him playing some buffoon that, you know, finds himself in fighting Absolutely. situations. Absolutely, you're totally right. And finds his heart at the end. <laughs> well, speaking of buffoons who also have podcasts, uh-huh. I listened to Dax Shepard's Armchair Expert this week, <laughs> and I love him. He's always a great one I have to listen to. Take two hours out of my week to listen to one of his podcasts. This week he had on Debbie Ryan, which I was really intrigued by. She's a Disney Channel kid. Yeah, what show is she on? So she originally started with the Disney Channel on Sweet Life on Deck. Once they moved out of the hotel and and went on to Zach and Cody, like, semester at sea, Mm -hmm. she did that show, and then she got her own show, Jessie, and then she... (laughs) Could you hear that on the mic? I probably heard you drinking the water. I was hydrating, and my bottle was a little burpy, sorry. Um, Anyway, she did Disney Channel, but most recently you can see her on the Netflix show Insatiable, which kind of has Mm. a lot of... Talk scandal about it. going mm-hmm. around it, but she was the youngest person ever on Armchair Expert, and she is a podcast expert herself. I mean, she was referencing conversation with him, like, "Oh my gosh, yes!" On your Catherine Hahn episode, when she said this, this, and this, it really moved me and changed me. Have you heard this podcast <laughs> the other day? And he was like, "Whoa, Whoa like girl. you're a hot little something who knows everything. Like this is great." But I found her to be so articulate. She talked so highly about how like she truly never had a drink. Until she was 21. Never did drugs. She just said Disney really instilled into them. You are a role model and every kid in the world knows who you are now. And she said it was called Disney 101. Like when families and their children start on the show, which she said that they probably did not have in the years prior. Which is why we have the Miley's, the Demi's, the Selena's. The Britney's. The Britney's. Called back to last week. But um, they had such deep conversations that I don't know if I've ever heard before on other pods of his, mm-hmm. a lot of conversation of um, mental health mm-hmm. and asking her, like, do you think that the rise of social media is the reason so many younger children in this generation suffer from anxiety and depression and all of those things? And she was like, absolutely. We are been raised, you know, how many clicks does your kid have on that photo and how it can really start to affect people. Mm-hmm. And also then going into conversations of where Dax was saying that he is the kind of guy that finds himself in situations all the time where there's a fight or something he's got to help break it up and he's just that guy that he fixes fights and helps people and like Kristen one day was like you don't have to be that guy like Kristen Bell his wife his wife and um it's just saying that like if you're the kind of person that's always you know hits every red light you're just gonna say that out there be the person that hits every green light and change your Change your narrative. Change your narrative. And Dax, the day he was just like, you know, I'm not going to be that guy that, like, helps, you know, break up bar fights anymore. He's like, I haven't seen a fight in I don't know how long because I haven't been looking for it. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that anymore. And that just was a, so reflective to me. Like, you know, whoever you think you are as a person, like, it's probably not true. You're just seeing it. Or you're self, self-prophesizing. Your- yeah, exactly. So, but I will say that the conversation in regards to mental health and social media just made me think, like, that's going to be something we talk about in the future. I think it's so prevalent and so important, those kind of conversations. And this one really spurred me to start thinking about that, and I liked it. It was really good. Yay. Yeah, it wasn't as funny as yours sounded like, so I think I'm going to need to go <laughs> download Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. I would actually like your opinion on that conversation. Sure. 
Yeah, Erica needs a new podcast well, to listen to. Kona needs a friend. Yeah. Well, I think that kind of wraps it up for our dirty podcast this week, Dirty John. Yeah. Deep dive, if you will. I think so. Like we mentioned, definitely check out the Dirty John podcast. Check mm-hmm. out the show on Bravo. And check us out. Come rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to right now. Go hit that little subscribe plus button. Oh, plus button. And come visit us on Instagram, Podcast RWD. Um, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Come join our group. Start a convo. Let us know what you're listening to. Let us know what you think of Dirty John. Yeah, absolutely. But most importantly, have a really awesome Thanksgiving. Yes. Don't start any political fights with family. Nope. Eat a lot of food. Drink a lot of alcohol. Listen to a lot of podcasts. But guys, no matter what you do this week, you know the drill. Be, Be kind. And rewind. Bye. Bye-bye.